Welcome back to our health and healing podcast here at Celebration Church. This is episode two where we're going to dive into the testimony of pastors Steve and Lori who are joining me here today. Let's dive right in, guys. All right. Thank you, Brooklyn. Uh, we we are so privileged to just be able to share our testimony. And, you know, God is so good, and he's been so good for so many years to us, and we're learning more and more every day. That's the one thing I think that we found. You never know it all. And the more you learn, the more you realize how little you know. But I, I will preface all of this testimony with saying this right here. You know, God loves you. God loves you right where you are. God Absolutely. is merciful to you. Uh, you know, God wants you well. Um, he, he never, as we've seen in Scripture, He never places sickness on someone. That's mm-hmm. that's not His will. His will is for us to walk in healing, to walk in divine health. So I would go back. Uh, I, I mean, I can think way back when God has healed me of different things before I even knew what I know now. I mean, he and just in his great mercy, because I cried out to him, mm-hmm. he reached down and touched me. And just I want everyone to know that's listening, God will not drop you. If you just put your trust in him, wherever you are in your knowledge uh, of the word and, and your relationship with God, wherever you are, just reach out to him yeah. and hang on to him. He will not drop you on your head. That's but good. our story... Uh, the main things that we've been through really started back in June of 16. Laurie had been feeling bad for a while and didn't know what was going on. Uh, you know, we, we confessed the word. We believed the word. We spoke over her body. But, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, we live in a fallen world. Sometimes things happen. Sometimes, you know, we can get into sin and bring a sickness in, uh, you know, through a sin. But sometimes... Uh, it's just a direct attack of the devil. And in this case, you know, I really believe that's what happened. I mean, I had just agreed. uh, Well, when she started feeling sick the first time, uh, we had just made a commitment to be an associate pastor at a different church. And then all of a sudden, Laurie started having all these different symptoms. And then immediately. Yeah, like immediately, immediately. And uh, at one point there, uh, she had got a little bit better. And we had taken a walk around a, uh, you know, a track behind one of the junior highs. And right, I mean, we had just got on the back straightaway. There's no one else on the track. And I had just told Laurie, I said, Satan will not win this battle when this kid comes from out of nowhere behind and runs over her with a bicycle, you know, cuts her leg to the bone. Wow. So kind of a setback there, but no doubt, I mean, you know, just a direct attack of the enemy. But our story here today really starts in June of 2016. Lori had uh, what is called a thyroid storm, and it's where your thyroid becomes hyperactive. It speeds up, and the thyroid is a, it's a tremendous organ in the body. It affects your whole body. Well, it's better for heart rate. It, you know, it sped up her organs. Just everything starts racing in your body. It's a very serious condition. Well, we took her into the hospital. She didn't want to go. <laughs> you know, she never wants to go. <laughs> no, but one thing I have to say on that is right before that, I was really, really starting to understand 
what all Jesus had done for me, what all was included in my salvation, Mm -hmm. and that included healing. And I had just said to myself, I'm going to make a decision. I want to stand on what God's done for me. Mm -hmm. I don't want to depend on things of the world. I want to be able to walk in what he's done for me. And then all this came along. Yeah, and and that's not to scare anybody off, but, uh, you know, the Word says that that when you start learning the word and you start receiving the word, Satan comes to steal it. Yeah. He doesn't want you to know the word. He certainly doesn't want you to walk in it. Well, and what you have to know, too, is that, I mean, because I know I've had the devil try to put this thought in my head. Well, you need to just steer away from growing in God, you know, and that way I won't bother you. Yeah. But let me tell you something. That's a lie. That's a lie. Once again, yeah. it's a lie. Because even if it's him, not him directly attacking you, you're going to have attacks from the world, For from sure. the world's stance sure. uh, viewpoint. So, I mean, you have to still, you're still going to have to come to a point where you need to trust in God and be able to walk in that. So don't let him deceive you. Right, right, absolutely. Well, when, when I took her into the hospital in June of 16, this is just some of the things she had wrong with her. Uh, <coughs> and she thought she had, you know, had like severe allergies and sinus and all that she wasn't breathing good but actually her right lung had collapsed from the fluid in it she had pneumonia her heart was racing like 120 beats a minute she had a blood clot in her right leg she had a couple of blood clots in her upper left arm and when they put a drain tube into that right lung to start draining that fluid off well she was putting out two liters of fluid every 24 hours two liters of fluid and this went on for two and a half weeks she was in icu right here at community hospital in san angelo and they finally got to that point you know they were getting over the pneumonia you know slowed her heart down and different things but the lung kept building this fluid up and there wasn't anything they could do and so they sent us to san antonio to university hospital to do surgery to, you know, I don't remember the exact name. I think it was called a new. They thought she had a pneumothorax, but it's basically a hole in the lining around that lung, and that was allowing this fluid to come in and then just building up on her. So, anyway, at that point, they transferred her from community to University Hospital in San Antonio, and it was late at night, and I was following the ambulance in the, our car, and somewhere around Eden, I just put in a chris tomlin tape and i just started listening to that praise and worship music and i started singing with it and and right as we pulled into junction i just had this tremendous peace come Mm -hmm. over me and they stopped to get uh, fuel and get something to drink and i got up in the ambulance with laurie and i noticed that the drain tube didn't have as much fluid in it Mm-hmm. It's like, and I had thought, boy, riding in that rough, bouncy ambulance all the way to San Antonio is only going to aggravate that yeah. lung, but it didn't. It was starting to dry up, and so over a period of a couple of days, three days, well, that lung quit leaking fluid, and so they decided not to do the surgery, and we came home, and uh, oh, a month and a half later, we took our travel trailer, and we were in Riadosa for a week, had a great vacation. Everything's going fine. But slowly, over time, things started happening again because the devil doesn't give up easily. Mm-hmm. So he starts coming back at her with more symptoms. And 
it got to the point that Laurie could not lay down and sleep. She was sleeping in the recliner in the living room. And and the problem was... She and was I wasn't sleeping. And she wasn't there sleeping. There were nights on end. I was wide awake. I didn't doze off. I did not sleep one minute. I was wide awake. Yes. I did take advantage of that time, though. I talked to God all night long. That's good. I would leave the blinds open on the doors because the stars and the sky just, you know, gave me a sense of peace. That's yeah. good. Don't start crying on us. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, she she stay in there at night and and uh, but you know in all of that too, you know Satan would just relentless, and that's the way he is coming against you. You know she had hallucinations, she wasn't sleeping good, she could couldn't breathe good, and there come a point, I mean she could barely get up off the couch and go to the restroom and and again, you know. Laurie, she didn't want to go into the doctor. She said, you know, I, she said, I know, you know, I'm healed. I begged her to go to the doctor. Uh, you know, I did. And, and we had a long discussion about that. We went back and forth, and she really, she gave in to me. But I remember this very vividly. I was driving her into the hospital that day, and I asked her, I said, are, are you giving up? Because I knew that if she was going to give up, if she decided I've had enough of all this and I want to go home and be with the Lord, there would be nothing I could do. But I knew if she was going to stand and fight against it, then I could help her. I yeah. could come alongside her. And, and it's what she told me. She said, of course I'm not giving up. We have ministry to do. We've got kids and grandkids depending on us. We'll fight this thing the whole way. That's good. And I said, all right, you know, I'm with you. I'm with you. I thought that was the dumbest question I'd ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can think some is dumb, probably. But anyway, so this is in February of 17, 2017. So she's got this fluid back in her lungs. Uh, the heart valves were leaking. Her right lung, which we found out, was still partially collapsed. It had never fully inflated from back in June of 16. So community... A hospital, we're back in there, they look at everything, and they say, well, we're not comfortable doing surgery on that lung like that. And they thought she had a hole in her heart, but it wasn't. It was leaky heart valves. But they said, you need to go to a really good heart hospital and have them fix some of this. So the decision was made to go to Baylor Heart Hospital at Plano because it's supposed to be in like a top five hospital in the nation for that. And And what we were told here was, Man, they'll get you in there, you know, they'll pull that lung back up where it needs to be, put in a couple of clips on the heart valves, they'll go up through your, your leg and do that, and you'll be back home in a couple of weeks. That mm -hmm. sounded good. Okay, fine. You know, we're going to be over all this mess. We're, we're, we're not big on hospitals and doctors and all that, but we'll go do this. Well, what a wreck. What a wreck. And actually, that's something else I didn't want to do. Yeah, she didn't. But I was talked into it. Yeah. Big yeah. mistake. Well, you know, the thing is that we get up there to the hospital in Plano, and because Laurie, she was almost like malnourished. She, she had all this fluid on her body, but she didn't have her protein levels worn up real high, so 
they were concerned about that because she's fixing to go through a major surgery. Mm-hmm. And they decided to do uh, the lung surgery with a robot. And they go through your rib cage. They make like five incisions. And they said, we need to do that first. Let's get this lung back up into place, and then we'll do the heart valves. Well, the problem with doing it that way was that they can't go through the ribs now to fix the heart valves. That meant they have to do open heart surgery. So first they go in. They do this robotic surgery, which Laurie said was very painful. They pull the the all the lung back up where it's supposed to be and like super glue it to the top there so it doesn't collapse and then you know a couple of weeks after that or uh yeah it was a couple of weeks after that she let her recuperate a little bit her protein levels were still low and then they go in and do the open heart surgery and they put two clips on her heart valves everything went fine uh you know they had her intubated for a few days after that then get her you know the tube out of her throat and all that so she can breathe on her own and she had a drain tube sticking out of her right lung and so they're draining that right lung and then right after the open heart surgery you know like two days later three days later they come in and said well she's got fluid around her heart now she got fluid building up on her heart so they they said either we're going to have to open her back up to do, you know to get rid of that or we'll try to drain it you know going up right underneath her sternum and I, I told the doctor I said oh man you know what don't open her back up I knew how hard that would be on her and yeah he said well we'll try to do it this other way so they go in they drain it through up underneath her sternum and then they put in a drain tube there so she got one drain tube hanging out her right rib cage one hanging out underneath her sternum and so she's starting to perk up a little bit they get her up you know the next week to start walking her a little and we did that for a couple of days and then one morning we get up to go for a little walk me and her and the nurse and she just goes right out the front door of the room there and then she says something's not right she said something something's not right so we turn her around set her on the bed as soon as i set her on the bed she goes unconscious and i didn't know what was going on at that point but the holy spirit rose up in me i knew i knew she was dying and i just spoke over her i said spirit of death you get off of this body spirit of life you come back into this body yeah and the little nurse she ran to get the doctor and the doctor come in and he said we got to figure out what's going on he said i'm pretty sure she has sepsis but we need to go down take her down and do a cat scan so what happened was that she had had a she had sepsis she had a urinary tract infection and then she had a blood clot had broke loose and had went across her left lung which was the good lung and caused part of it to collapse so she just had the right lung surgery open heart surgery now left lung collapsed and by the way the doctor said which i thought was interesting on that blood clot that came up into my lung should not medically speaking should not have that happened. should not have happened of course we knew why it did it was the enemy yes once again and i can't tell you the revelation that i had 
when about halfway through when we were there of how much the devil was trying to take me out. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, he's just relentless on that. And, and it's just, you know, we saw that even the doctors were saying, we don't understand. She'll take one step forward, two steps back. Well, we knew we were in a spiritual battle. And that's the thing I, I would tell all the listeners. You know, sickness is a spiritual battle. You know, it manifests itself in your physical body, but it is a spiritual battle, and you need to approach it from that standpoint. But anyway, the doctors, they did the CAT scan. They found all that stuff wrong. They immediately intubated her again, sedated her. And then, the, you know, the doctor told me, he said, there's a good chance she's not going to make it through today. And I told him we were standing in the hallway, and I said, no, she'll make it. And he said, no, you don't understand what I'm saying. He you know, he thought I was just in denial. Well, I'm I'm in denial of the symptoms and what's going on. But, you know, but I told him, I said, no, I understand what you're saying, but I, I believe God. You know, God's promised her a long life. This 55, 56 years old is not a long life. Yeah, for sure. And so they they have her like that for a week. And she's, you know, unconscious. You know, family comes in, seeing her, and, I mean, she's just there. Well, the doctors come in, and they told me, said, we really think we need to do a tracheotomy on her because it, they can't leave that tube in her throat that's hooked up to the ventilator mm -hmm. very long or it can permanently damage her vocal cords. And and for a while, I mean, for the almost the rest of the time we were in the hospital, she could not talk after that. She could just only point and text messages. But anyway, they pull the tube out of their throat. They do the tracheotomy, got her hooked up to the ventilator. They said this will be a lot easier. We can take her on and off the ventilator easier this way. But they said the danger was when you have a trach tube in, it can get clogged up with mucus that she might cough up from her lungs and then she can suffocate well sure enough a couple of weeks after the trach tubes in she just suffocates you know i mean she goes unconscious and, and i didn't know what was going on they of course the machines went off they called a code blue the first nurse in the room put the big bag thing over her face and when he squished it it blew that mucus plug back down into her lungs, and she gasped for breath. So she, wow. you know, she came back. Well, a couple of weeks after that, it got stopped up again, and I was watching the monitors, and uh, it was really interesting. I, I, I'm standing in the room with two nurses, one a respiratory nurse and the other the, the regular nurse, and I told them, I said, her oxygen levels are dropping fast. They said, oh, it's because she just, you know, went for a walk. And I said, no, they're, something ain't right. They're dropping real fast. And, well, all of a sudden, uh, there her head goes down. She suffocated again with us standing right there watching. And so they code blued again and come in there and thankfully, you know, blew that uh, plug out of the way. And and uh, she got past that one. I mean, it, but it's just one attack after another fr from the yeah. enemy. It's just <laughs> crazy. crazy just crazy and i think it was about this time uh I, I went over to the parking garage one day and i was just so you know frustrated with everything and and just felt like i was not you know hearing from god like i i should be and uh you know 
uh, just running up and down those steps. It was seven uh, story parking garage and I uh, just so frustrated. I just cried out to God. I said, you know, where are you? Where are you? Because I just felt so alone. And uh, and he told me, he, he says, where are you? He said, I've been right here the whole wow, time. That's good. And, and what I found with myself was for several years, I had been spending a lot of time studying the word, increasing my knowledge, listening to a lot of different uh-huh. people, all things that are good to do. But I had neglected the most important part, and that was my relationship with God. I haven't hadn't been talking to God like I used to. Yeah. And I, I just kind of ignored that part of it, and, and it was a real eye-opener for me that day. But the next thing that happened, uh, you know, she's getting past the sepsis, uh, past the clot, her left lung reinflated. Well, then she starts building up this fluid on her body. And she got up, she had 50 pounds of fluid on her body before this was over and done with here. And the doctors were giving her Lasix. They were giving her all these different things intravenously and just, and that, you know, oh, that's the other thing I had forgot. Uh, after that left lung collapse, they had a drain tube in her left lung. So now she got a left lung drain tube, a right lung, one in the middle for her heart, and now she got a stomach feeding tube in oh so my she, gosh. yeah and she's got the tracheotomy hooked to the ventilator i mean I, i've got some pictures of like her. a science experiment over here oh she looked pretty i felt she like an experiment bad. yeah yeah oh she's <laughs> tell them what she felt like well i told steve one day when i could talk i said i feel like a cow patty with a lot of flies swarming around me <laughs> because everybody was yeah. on me nurses and things all at one time wasn't like one of them would do what they needed to do and then leave, yeah. and the next one would come. No, it was like they were like a shopper, you know, ladies shopping, trying to grab it before somebody else does. And right. I just felt like, you know, yeah. it just everybody wanted a piece of me, and yet I couldn't even stand up and say, stop it. Stop <laughs> it, yeah. Yeah, for real. <laughs> but Dr. Uh, Dr. George, he was the, the main heart doctor working with her, and he come in one morning, and, and he just he always come in very early in the morning. And, and the hospital there, it's pretty unique. But they meet every morning, and they talk about uh, the patients that are, are the worst. The worst. And Laurie was, was the one for, you know, for a good while there. She was the most critical patient they had. But he told us, he said, you know, we have done everything we know to do. We can't get this fluid off. And he said, she's going to drown in her own fluid eventually. We just can't get it off. And, and then he, you know, he turned around and walks out. And well, he said the only thing they hadn't tried yet was dialysis. dialysis. Yeah. And I said, no, no, we're not going there. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, he walks out and when he, and he walked out pretty quick. And I told, I looked at Lori and, and I said, we don't receive that. That's not God's Amen. best. Amen. We don't receive it. We're not going to believe that. So I went out in the hallway to, to look for him, and he was gone. I run into his uh, his personal assistant, and I told her, I said, Dr. George just told us this and said, if y'all are through messing with it, if y'all done all y'all can do, then send us home. And she said, well, y'all, you want us to send, us, send her home and go ahead and call hospice in? Because they didn't think she was going to make it. Yeah. 
And I said, no, you don't need to call hospice. But I'm just saying, if you're done messing with us, send us home. They don't need us staying here. We're tired of being here. So, anyways, I know this is a long story, but I, I think it'll help some people. That afternoon, I hadn't called our daughters. I hadn't told anybody what the doctor had said. We weren't going to believe that. And that afternoon, my youngest daughter, Mandy, she called and she says, hey, Dad, she said, there's a Jeep for sale. It's like 15 minutes from the hospital. You mind going over and looking at it? She's wanting to buy a Jeep. I said, Mandy, I said, I don't want to go talk to nobody. And I didn't tell her what had happened, what the doctors had said. And and uh, she said, oh, Dad, you know, can you at least call them? I said, okay, I'll call them because I'll just get her off my back, you yeah. know. And so I called this guy, and I said, I'm calling about your Jeep. And he introduced himself. His name was Joseph Harker, and I still stay up with him. But anyway, uh, he said, do you live here in Plano? And I said, no, we're just in the heart hospital up here. My wife's in the hospital. And he said, well, before we talk about the Jeep, he said, what, what's the matter with your wife? And I told him briefly, and he said, well, let me pray for her. I want to pray for her before we talk about the jeep because he said i know god's word is true i know god wants her well, well and he yeah. said do you mind if i pray for her? and i said get after it and so he prayed a prayer right in line with what all we've been talking about and what we believe that the work has been done healing belongs to us as much as forgiveness of sins belongs to us and he just prayed a beautiful prayer well i thanked him for it and he said i'm going to come up there and see y'all here in a few days and he did but the next day, the fluid starts coming off her body. Two or three days later, the doctors come in and they say, we don't know what happened, but the fluid's coming off, and it's nothing we did. It's mm. nothing we did. Yeah. And Laurie couldn't talk. She just pointed up toward <laughs> God. You know, so that, that was it. And so, uh, anyway, it was so wonderful. She lost about 50 pounds of fluid in roughly two weeks of wow. time. Uh, one thing I want to add in here, I don't know if Steve was going to mention it or not, but during all this time as it was getting closer and closer to me going home, they were wanting to send me to an LTAC. Yeah, long-term acute uh, rehab. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. I said, no, I'm not going anywhere but home. And they fought with me and fought with me. Our insurance, of course, didn't want to pay for it, which in my opinion was a good thing because – I wasn't going, and I told Steve at one point, I said, don't you make arrangements for me to go because I'm not going. <laughs> I, but I knew, I knew I needed to get home. I needed to get away from that environment. Yes. The, I'm sorry, the negative, I can't do anything yeah. for you, yeah. depressing environment. Right. I needed to get home yes. where I could get my mind and everything Keep it where it needed to be. Mm -hmm. I, I have to say, and I don't say this in any bragging way or anything, but honestly, through this whole deal, and I was not conscious for, you know, a good part of it, too. But honestly, not one time did I think I was going to die. And I can remember thinking at some points, it's like, almost like, why are they, why are they looking at it like that? Yeah. But I, it, I look back at that now, and it's just got to be what was in my spirit, you know, yeah. what was in my heart, what I knew. But the funny thing about that LTAC is I prayed, and I told God, I don't want to go there. I want to go home. 
little did I know, Steve had told Brandon and some of them here, and they were praying for our insurance to pick it up a notch and send yes, me sir. to an LTA. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, are you kidding me? Well, anyway, to make a long story short, I didn't go to an LTAC. I went home. But, yeah. you know, that, that, was, that was God. And I know the Holy Spirit at one point told me right there, close to time, he said, two weeks. Two weeks. And I can remember as that two weeks was drawing near, I'm like, I'm thinking, okay, <laughs> you know, two weeks is coming up like in a couple of days. Yeah. A- and I wasn't really showing signs great signs at that time of just being released so quickly but guess what two weeks was it yeah yeah and i think you know with the ltac you know my thinking was well it's better than being where we are it would be a little closer to home and you know the things that they were saying well for a long time they thought that she would have to talk um like some people that had a tracheotomy and they had to put their finger over their their throat and talk you know they were thinking yeah. that's the way she was going to be from then on oh, oh not me yeah and i got were, a lot of talk and they were also she said uh, i got a lot more talking to do yeah yeah and boy she has <laughs> that's too, right yeah. but uh they also were gonna you know training me and how to to use the feeding tube at home because they thought she was gonna have to go home with that feeding tube in her stomach yeah. but you know what uh before it was all said and done when we when we left out of there we left out with an oxygen bottle, you know, up, you know, running it up under her nose, but they had pulled the trach tube out, pulled the stomach tube out. And that was another thing on the trach. You know, that respiratory therapist told me one day, oh, well, you got to get to where you can put this little button on there and it helps you to talk. You got to be able to do that before they're going to take that out. You'll never get that out. Well, I couldn't speak out loud, but I tell you what, I was so mad in my mind and i said don't you tell me that Uh don't you ever tell me i won't ever do anything yeah you know god has got me he's got control of this and so the next day or two it was out and i never will forget the look on her face when she came back in and saw that it was gone and she was like and i wanted to say yeah yeah Yeah. Well, Probably a blessing to all those doctors that you couldn't talk. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I laugh yeah. about that now. It it, it was a <laughs> blessing I couldn't because I might yeah. have gotten really. And, and one ugly of the doctors, a, a real sweet young doctor there, Doctor Baya, she come in one day or she caught me. She said, "You know what?" She said, "I have learned so much about faith by watching y'all, because we we wouldn't speak anything negative. We we would only yeah, speak what the good. Word of God says. We only spoke what belonged to us. We would not." Say yeah, you know, I, we wouldn't, we would not label, Laurie. We would not label Laurie as having to be this way from now on, or no. you know, and, no. and you know, even when we got back uh, from up there, I mean, if anybody could have used a handicap sticker on a car, it would have been Laurie. I mean, she could barely yeah, sure. had to help her get in mm-hmm. to the front, but we refused to accept those labels. We refused that because that's not God's best. Yeah, that's something I want to put in and add here. You know, did I feel like getting up and hopping out of that bed and walking and, you know, doing this? No, I didn't. I could barely put one foot in front of the other when I first got up and started walking. But it was God that enabled me to have that strength of mind, you know, to be able to. Because my mind, your mind tells you, tells your body 
what it's going to do. And so that's why it's so important to renew that mind and keep it in line with the Word of God and know how strong you are and know that you can do anything, you know, mentally and physically, you know. But I, I did push it. I yes. did push it. I had people try to say, well, you're not pushing hard enough. I'm like, you don't know. I'm pushing. you got to fight against it. Sick, sickness is not something you should accept. You should fight against it. You, you know, you know it's not from God. Yeah. It's a work of the enemy, and you should resist it just like you resist Satan on anything else. But, you know, the, the battle, when, when we left the hospital at Plano, the nurses, they lined the hallways. They threw a big party for Laurie. Blue That's bubbles. Awesome. Blue awesome. bubbles. Yeah, they lined the hallway for her because, honestly, she was in there longer than anybody else they had ever had, and they didn't think she was going to leave that hospital. Wow. And we had many, many. Uh, Steve wasn't there at that time, but I was walking around one day with one of the nurses, and I had another one come out. And, I mean, she's just almost giddy, you know, saying, you're just a miracle, you're a miracle. I mean, but all of them realized they recognized God moving in that yes. situation. Yes, praise God. But, you know, thing about it, even after we got home, the battle wasn't over. Yeah. Satan hadn't given up yet. And she came home does. weighing 92 pounds, and she stayed that way for the next six months. She, she still wasn't sleeping good, not eating real good. But the problem was, as we found out later, it was taking all of her energy just to breathe. So when she would go to sleep at night, she was exhausted. And she wound up back in ICU three more times over the next few months the last time uh, that she went into icu was in uh like in january of uh 18 we, we were down here at the church office it was the day after i had broke my foot and she she just wasn't sleeping good and she was here with me and you could tell she wasn't feeling good wasn't a little bit she just you know gets uh you know just dumb dumb like you know just not all there. I mean, it, and what it was, her her CO2 levels were up. Uh, you know, she can't think straight, she, and she was going into respiratory failure. And so I'm trying to get her out to the car. There was no one else here at the church at the time. And, you know, finally had to throw my crutches down and just walk on that broke foot. I didn't have no choice. I carried her to the car. I dropped her oxygen bottle on the way, cuts the oxygen line in two. I mean, wow. Gee whiz, Amazing. you know. I mean, it's just <laughs> a real mess. A mess. Get her down to. I took her to Shannon this time and run her into emergency. They're working on her in the hallway. And I, I remember our daughter met us there. Go ahead. You can say. Oh, anyway, Mandy met us there, and this doctor comes out and he asked me. He said, "Do you, do we have permission to resuscitate her to do everything we need to do to keep her alive?" And I said, "Well, absolutely." Yes. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, uh, yes, yeah, <laughs> please. And he said, you know, basically, you know, if she dies, do we, we have the opportunity to re revive her? And anyway, I, I, I told him yes, and I looked over at Mandy, and I could see her starting to tear up a little bit. And I looked at her, and I said, she will not die. We don't receive that. She will not die. Not because I'm just saying that, but because God's greater than that situation he's greater that's than good. those circumstances and that's what we believe yes i mean you know when you believe those things that's what's going to come out mm -hmm. i mean it's not like you're having to think about it you yeah. know we talk about this all the time i know but 
I have to hear things over and over and over again, and I think most people do. So that's why we repeat, yeah. you know, because we want you to really grab hold. Yeah, and, and one of the things that, uh, you know, well, I'll s- let me say this. You know, that night they had her intubated again. They had her calmed down. I go home, and I wake up early, and I'm just praying. And I just asked God, I said, and I don't even know why this was on my mind. But I said, God, I said, why can't she gain weight? She stayed at 92 pounds ever since we got home from the hospital. And I didn't hear anything. But I went to the hospital, to ICU. It was early in the morning. And Dr. Perrette, who's a lung specialist here, he comes in. And, and he first thing out of his mouth, he said, Steve, he said, I've been thinking about why she can't gain weight. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he said the problem is that it's taken everything she has just to breathe. And so she's exhausted when she goes to bed at night. It's wearing her down. He said she she was sleeping with a ventilator. He said put her on that ventilator in the afternoon. Let her get a good nap. And he said I think it will help her sleep at night. You know, that was the turning point on that right there. I know God spoke to him uh-huh. and she started getting better and she starts gaining weight she starts sleeping good at night and in all of this too one other thing i, I don't want to leave this out because it's important but one of the doctors that saw her in this time frame in here he had reviewed all of her records and he asked her he said mrs whitaker he said you know how many people that i have seen survive all that you've been through and she says no how many he said zero. I've never wow. seen anybody survive all the things you have been through. Nobody. So a good, you know, again, it's just a testament to what God has done. You know, absolutely, it's all about God. It's not about what we do, even though we need to believe, we, you know, speaking his word over our situation, you know, agreeing with him, having other people agree with. It's all good things to do. But we, it's all about what Jesus has done for us at the cross. That's what's the important thing Absolutely. here. Absolutely. Yes, and I want to follow that up with, you know, this testimony. First of all, there's so many things that happened that we didn't talk about today. But there's just so much that happened every day, several times a day, that, you know, honestly, it's hard to remember some of it. And it's really hard to put it down in writing because... I just get kind of overwhelmed when I start to do all that. But what I want to say is, from where I am right now today and looking back, you know, the miracles were awesome. We see, we saw God move. And I think really, too, the miracles were such a good thing for the other people to see, for the doctors yes. and the, you yeah, know, because we had sure. one of the doctors say, we don't know, you know the turnaround we don't understand it because it's nothing we did right you know and so even they recognize that and but the miracles are great and they're awesome but you know we need to walk we can walk in God's best I don't believe what I went through was God's best it was not his plan for me to go through that yeah it was not he only wants good things he came to give me an abundant life and that abundant life does not include being sick and nearly dying and having to struggle and fight through things so 
my take on all of this that I've learned since then is that it is so important for me to establish to keep an active relationship with the Lord. You know, we come into relationship with him when we're saved, and that's awesome, and that's a great thing. But then there's more steps to take, and we have to spend time with him and in his word in order to get to know who he really is, how much he loves us. You know, when we know how much he loves us, it will be easy to trust him. Yes. You know, so I want to encourage you to start developing that relationship with him. Because that's the, that's the root of it. Yeah. You know, that's where you're going to see. That's when you're going to just speak who you are and know all of that. And you're just going to see it happen quickly, I believe. But um, I just, if anybody happens to be listening to this and you don't even have that first step in a relationship with the Lord, just tell him. Hey, I want you to be Lord of my life. Mm-hmm. Yes. I believe that Jesus died for me. Amen. You know, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. You don't have to have somebody pray over you, somebody, you know, be there with you. Just do it by yourself. Absolutely. And then get in a church. Get around the Word where you can start learning who God is, you know, and how good He is. That's yes. good. And all the good things that He's done yeah. for you. Yes. And, you know, we're no different than anybody else. You know, God didn't just select us and say, you know, I'm going to bring them through this. Yeah. No, he he did it for anybody. He'll do it for anybody. We're not somebody special, but I know this. If you would just put your trust in God, just stay with him, stay with him, look to him. He will not let you down. Uh, You know, that's just the bottom line. I've seen it in too many people. If you just, you know, just don't let go of him. Mm-hmm. That, that's what it takes. No matter how hard, how difficult the situation, just keep thanking him. Say, God, I trust you. I don't trust what I'm hearing, what I'm seeing, what I'm feeling. I don't trust those things. My trust is in you, and you will come through, guaranteed. You know, and I want to give you an example about, you know, what came to my mind right now is trusting your emotions. You know, that's so easy for us to do. Yeah. And to trust our senses and what we're seeing and all of this you know we had an instance this week that really i've been thinking about this morning and it was a was a distraction is what it was and we have to recognize those things um, as the devil bringing us distractions to get us off focus of who god is and how good he is and what we need to be doing you know but because when I was driving in this morning, I was thinking, you know, I'm really not in the mood, you know, <laughs> to go talk. Yeah. Here we, we've been doing these podcasts on healing, and boom, the devil attacks, you know. But the thing is, is that I said, well, you know what? The best thing for me to do is I'm going to talk more. I'm going <laughs> to share yeah. the love of God more. Yeah. And if the devil thinks he can come into my life and wreak havoc, i got another thing for him because <laughs> he isn't going to do it. You know, God is the creator of life. He did not create death. Yeah. He did not. That was not his intention. And we need to know that. And we need to learn to walk in that and live that and recognize that and recognize those distractions. It's just trying to get us off course. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. That's good. 
And that's a wrap on episode two of our health and healing podcast here at Celebration Church. If you have any questions or comments or prayer requests, please send us an email at celebrate at celebrationchurchlive.com and we will see you in the next one.